Thursday afternoon. Meat Suits, welcome back to Read It and Weep, a podcast that used to be about books. I am your host, Alex Falcone, in sweltering North Koreatown, Los Angeles. Who boy, you guys, if you hear a gentle hum today in the background, that is my air conditioner, because I would die without it. Holy shit. Uh, it's June 10th, 100 degrees. That's a lot, right? That's a lot, that's a lot of, degrees. of degrees to have, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Celsius. I mean, that's how hot it is. It's Oof. very, very hot. No um, actually, a personal uh, note before we get started today. Uh, not really personal. This is actually a business note. Um, I just want to talk about a little bit more about our our Metreon, uh, our, our, <laughs> our Meat Buddies Patreon, um, which I did not mean to call Metreon, but I for sure am going to now. So a little update on the Metreon, you guys. So first of all, um, we were inundated. People uh-huh. rushed to sign up for our new Metreon, you guys. Oh, the meat's going hot, going awesome. fast. It was and incredible. There is I mean, nothing that Patreon loves more than us rebranding their website as we start <laughs> to use it. So I <laughs> think this is a good point. Great. I probably should try to buy Metreon before I say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, me, let me. This is a this <laughs> this is before your time, Hunter, um, and maybe even you, Anthony. But a. A running thing on the show used to be these really slow segments where you have to listen to one of us buy a domain name because uh, we said it and don't want any like don't want to not have it. So this is the sound of me typing in my password for Namecheap uh, <laughs> and signing in to see if Metreon is available and if yeah. it is, wasting twelve dollars from our hard-earned Patreon money. Right. When when I say that, like uh, like one of the main things uh, that our uh, our money goes to, it's uh, the hosting expenses, and a significant portion of that is uh, comedic domain names we purchased at one time or another. Sometimes for sure. reasons I yeah, do not yeah. remember. Eventually, I let some of those uh, elapse, uh, but things that we still own that are references to earlier on the show. Well, meatmarket.space, That's a very important one. We still use that. Oh, um, that's good. For stuff. Yeah, yeah. Intergalactic um, meat trading. I see. Yeah, at one point I bought podcastsettlement.com. Can't remember why. Um, but I bought that in August of last year. Um, yeah, a lot of dot spaces that comes up a lot. Um, yeah, still on amazon.com, although Amazon revoked our ability to get money from that because it turns out that's a violation of their terms of service. A thing Aww. that we noted when we launched the product. Um, anyway, so the point is people were very... Uh, generous and um, it was incredible to see, and it sort of proves that if that people either really respond to my terrible terrible sales pitch, or a good sales pitch would have been better. Yeah, there you go. Like this is the worst it could be, and if I only tried to convince people to become patreons of us, it would have been immensely popular. Mm, yeah, it's a real kind of chicken egg situation, though, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Or it could just be that mentioning that we do accept donations and appreciate them might be something we should do more often because it does work. Um, mm. I do want to say mm. from a businessy note on that, if you are... A, so what I, I may have explained it a little bit poorly, so I had some concern, confusion from current Meat Buddies. So if you already donate either through PayPal or through your credit card through um, the form that was on our website for a while i told you we we no longer have those forms the forms don't work we still have your you are still subscribed so we won't you don't have to switch over to patreon you're welcome to and if you do i will just cancel you in the other system and it'll make it easier to consolidate um but it is so minor 
it doesn't bother me at all. I have to keep track of other people anyway, so I'm tracking all of it. So you do not have to move over if you want to. If it helps you at all, go for it. A lot of people are already like using Patreon to support other things. So if you want to do that, totally easy. Also, if you're on Patreon, way easier to change your amount or cancel at any time than if you are using um, this credit card thing where you have to figure out how to cancel because I'm not sure. I know how I do it. I don't know how you do it. Um, Less easy to run your credit card scams through this. So I also want to give a heads up to the criminals out there. Yes, very important. You know, definitely make sure like, you know, look, we'll figure out something if you want to like cut us in on some of that for sure. But will we? Yes, I suppose we will. Um, I mean, I will personally. Let's figure it out. I'll 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 talk to you guys after the show about opening it up. I'm not I'm still kind of on the fence. I've really liked the game thus far. Getting on the show, I did not expect that once I started the scam. So yeah, I mean it's worked out incredibly well for for all of us. Actually, we're all lucky yeah. to have us. Um, importantly, also we own Metreon.com. So if you go to Metreon, <laughs> M-E-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, for only nine dollars and six cents a year. <laughs> I feel like Metreon would be like Republican only Patreon, you know, where it's like, I got my business where I engrave my name on guns. There you go. Subscribe. (laughs) Subscribe on Metreon. Subscribe on my Metreon. Um, Yeah, that's also for this is like our oldest running joke is the meat buddy thing, which I wouldn't even call it a running joke, but a running terrible thing that we say. Um, Mm -hmm. And is uh, on the Metreon, I included a bunch of different... uh, amounts uh, as names of meat products i haven't eaten meat in 15 years so it's a weird thing that has become a staple of the show that we call the people who donate to us meat buddies and i say at the beginning meat suits and anyway um all of this what is very you strange say meat suits what it gives such a horrible image in my head Isn't it every terrible time you yeah say it? this is from episode like 30 and if you were counting we're on like five something now 520 oh, so so like- you, you just need to let this go <laughs> <laughs> well it's also from every episode since then Oh, okay. So yeah, in yeah. this case, it's a reference to 3.21 as well. Um, oh, sure. So that makes sense. That was from reading the book The Secret, um, which uh, incidentally does not work uh, mm-hmm. because I've I've pictured so many things in my mind of books titled The Secret Catching on Fire and they've never happened. But the um, one thing we said on the show at the time, sure, she had a line in the book that we are not just meat suits running around doing stuff. We are celestial beings. And we were like, no, we are meat suits. It was a great riff anyway. And um, then I called me meat suits forever. And there was a brief digression about whether there should also be meat dresses or if meat suits is gender neutral. It's a a complicated discussion. Meat skirt. Um, Meat skirt, skirt steak. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, good ways to try to, but do you want to actually gender it? If it's not gendered already, are we all anyway? Wait, I've never read The Secret. Are you really telling me she's just straight up ripping off Yoda quotes? <laughs> like, <laughs> celestial beings, we are? Like, she's this just, is, that's the whole you got to understand, the thing about The Secret is it's both really stupid and also c- stealing from a lot of old things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, it's amazing you could take the wisdom of Yoda and Gandhi and just a million different people and then just use it for the dumbest possible reasons. And that is the secret. Um, anyway, the point is, thank you to everybody who's donated so far. You're welcome to keep doing it. We really do appreciate it. It keeps us floating down the tracks. You can go to patreon.com slash meat buddies or to our brand new forwarding URL, metreon.com. All right. Uh, let me introduce you to the guys I'm hanging out with today. First of all, he's at Anthony Lopez part two on Twitter in Southeast Portland. It's Mr. Anthony Lopez. Welcome back, Anthony. Hey, uh, excited to be here. Also very warm. Decided to uh, 
cleaned the filters on the AC unit in my room Ooh, today. Ooh, nice. Um, You're nope. getting that fr- good dust-free air. Well, so the filter's drying right now. And let me just say, I don't know. I'm most saying this to myself for future reference, but uh, also to the audience out there. You should probably do that more often than I do. <laughs> that was real gross today. Let me tell you, I have not... Not cleaned out that filter uh, since we I'm gonna, using it. Anytime I visit someone's house and they have an AC unit, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend to be like a Pep Boys employee or not or like one of the oil places. I'm just gonna walk in. I'm gonna plug their air filter and be like, "Look at this air filter. Are you comfortable breathing this crap? For I just mean, eighty dollars, I'll replace this air filter." I think you should go into people's houses, pull out the filter, and then just start eating whatever's on it. I think yeah. that will be a fun. <laughs> Wait, what's my long game there? Oh, just really not getting invited back ever. You know, it's a good, like... Well, if anyone ever invites me someplace, I will definitely blow it with that technique. Um, okay. Also joining us today, he's at Hunbun on Letterboxd yeah. in Bopo neighborhood of Portland. It's Hunter Donaldson. Welcome it's back, me. Buddy. Yeah, haven't, I actually haven't had Popeyes in a couple days, but I am working on a sequel to The Secret based off our conversation we just had, and mm-hmm. I haven't read the original so I'm just okay. kind of trying to visualize, you know, like yeah. what it's about. And I well, think if you I visualize kinda... having read it, you have read it. The universe yeah. here is that. I think I could write a sequel to The Secret without reading the first one. I believe in myself. The, the Secret Two. The... Yeah, the se- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the sequel. I, that's that. I'll call it that. I was going to call it The Secret Two Whispers, but <laughs> but I like the sequel. I like that. Um. Uh. Yeah. I mean, but if there's two secrets now, it's just gossip. Oh, that's true. And it's a gossip trilogy. The secret one, the secret two, the secret three. Yeah. And the third one is like uh, something like you probably shouldn't tell people. It's like real dirty. Yeah. It's like really fucked up stuff. Um, so speaking of you being on Letterboxd, I haven't checked yet, Hunter. But what else have you watched this week? Oh, yeah. Um, so I decided to go. So Miyazaki movies are on HBO Max. We have mentioned that as if we work for them a couple times. Yeah. But it's a good deal and haven't been able to get those the best streaming service from AT&T wireless yet. You know, give them time. <laughs> they'll <laughs> they'll Wait, go were, were they involved in go 90 or was that Verizon? Oh, that I don't Verizon. know. It was Verizon. Okay. never no. mind. Uh, yeah. So, so AT&T's HBO max has yeah. uh, all of the Miyazaki films. I hope on they it. do more HBO streaming services like HBO, HBO Min. plus like, <laughs> I mean, we, I think we talked about this, but the reason it's called HBO Max is because they looked at their two million intellectual properties and were like, the only thing people like that we own is HBO. That's the only name that is not sullied. Let's call <laughs> right. it that. Yeah. But also, also, at the same time, I do want to say that, like, for all the problems with the kind of ownership and stuff, I literally thought uh, a man I truly love and respect, Miyazaki, was going to have to die for this to happen. Right. So for it to happen <laughs> while he's alive in the year of alone twenty twenty is fucking mind blowing. I, I never mean, thought he would allow. You know, like, uh, how did this even happen? Like, because I assume that the 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 strategy before in trying to get them was money. So like, yeah. what but, changed? Yeah, but the thing, like, the thing with Miyazaki is, anytime you like look up anything, he's like, I have a, a sizable, a, a fairly small house. I like. I walk to work every day. I don't uh-huh. need your money. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't understand what changed. Like what? 
Like I know Was he against people watching his movies? No, no. he's just like, been against like You just can't you know, buy him. You can't yeah. be the guy. <laughs> like Yeah, you know. you know, like you know, Studio Ghibli is like famously like oh like they didn't sell merchandising for a long time. Oh. Uh, and even when they did, they only sell X amount every year. Like they have like Man. a cap that was like, okay, once we hit this much money that we can keep our lights on without releasing a movie every year. We're going to stop selling Totoro toys. Can uh, you guys imagine, like, with all of our current financial situations, and we're okay, there's a lot of people who are worse off, but could you imagine being at a place where you're like, at any point, does anyone want to press that giant money button on the wall? Yeah. Like, we just no. have this button where we make a billion dollars, and sure, we're choosing yeah. not to push it. But it's just like any day, like, do you guys feel like making a billion dollars today? Yeah. That's that- crazy. Look, Miyazaki and the rest of the people at Studio Ghibli are in it for the love of, you know, degrading young workers. They're not in it for, like, (laughs) they're not in it for the money, you know? Oh, man. He's in it just to, like, tell young creatives that their work is an affront to God and nature (laughs) itself and not necessarily making money. Well, so so if anybody, if anyone would have predicted that Quibi would not do well and that HBO Max would do well. That's pretty much everybody. So it's right, happening. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons is because of all these studio Ghibli movies and which one have you watched? Oh, so or we watched, uh, me and my girlfriend watched three of them. We watched nice. Kiki's Delivery Service. Really yeah. good one. Uh, Princess Mononoke. Fuck uh, yeah. And then Spirited Away. So Elena hadn't nice. seen any of them, so I was just like, "Not about horses." We'll we'll pick three, and we'll we'll do these three. I honestly, I've seen Mononoke enough for a lifetime. I think used to run on Cartoon Network like all the time. So seen that many, many, many times. Not not that it's not worthy of a rewatch, but uh, but yeah, it's it's funny because Spirited Away. I feel like I could watch maybe fifty times and still be like, again. <laughs> Spirit Away is the only one that I have seen, and I watched it for this show um, last year, two years ago. And boy, is that a terrific piece of film! Holy yeah, cow! It, what it a is, great, what a great thing that is! It is mm-hmm. one of like the few. I mean, I would say most of his films. Like, I really love Kiki's Do the Service. Uh, Princess mm-hmm. Mononoke is definitely like really interesting. I would like to talk about like, especially since uh, we rewatched Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, last time I watched it, or not last time, this was like a, like a decade or so ago, I had rewatched it, and it was the first time seeing it since Lord of the Rings came out, and I was just blown away by what I felt was like the influence on Peter Jackson in terms mm-hmm. of like the way that film looks and its style. Uh, but yeah, Spirited Away is a is a unrelenting masterpiece in terms of so just fun, hypnotic beautiful visuals and actually reminded me a lot of the uh the movie we're going to be talking about later today yeah Uh, Mm, interesting it's also weird as hell which i like and that does kind of also remind me of the movie today yeah um i enjoy i enjoy that very much about spirit away although i i always have to remind myself it's not about horses that's all I was just, just like, I remember that movie and I uh, being a thing uh-huh. that existed that I didn't watch. And I also remember Stallion Spirit of the Cimarron being like another animated film, not by Disney. And I never watched it. And I confused the two sometimes. So I got like Spirit uh, Away, not about a horse. Dude, Miyazaki, though, could make a masterpiece about horses. OK, yeah. For sure. Get, that's so up his alley. He Absolutely. Is, uh, his next movie is about caterpillars. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. I'm open That's to his, it. He is, you know, he is the type of director. He is the, uh, uh, I can't think of any other equivalent, but of somebody who after every movie is like, I am done. That was uh, a lot of work for me. I'm never making a movie right. again. And then it's like, yeah, I'm going to come back and do one more. And uh, I, it sort of feels like making a movie must be similar to having kids that way. Yeah. Where yeah, like everybody swears they'll never do it again. And then like six months later, you forget that you hated it. Yeah, well, it's 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 like, of course, he's going to retire after Pony. The process, not the kid, you, but sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Right. You see the way the water looks? Do you know how much of a nightmare that must have been? Yeah. But it's like, oh, OK, the wind. Uh, uh, what was his last one called? The wind rises. The wind rises. Yeah. It's like, oh, of course, that's the one to go out on. But then he's like, no, I'm going to do one more about caterpillars. That's his next right. movie. So right. Very Sounds excited. Delightful. That's awesome. Anthony, what have you been watching this week? Uh, also sticking on the uh, sort of animation theme, uh, mm. my wife and I uh, decided to re-watch Avatar The Last Airbender. Whoa. Now on Netflix, the entire series, all three seasons. We're oh. about halfway through season three right now. Um, I haven't watched the show in a few years. Uh, I am a big fan. I have you know, said a lot of, I don't know if I ever said this on the show, but I, I genuinely think Avatar The Last Airbender is not just one of the greatest animation shows, animated shows, but like one of the greatest TV shows full stop mm-hmm. I have ever seen. It's up there with like Twin Peaks and The Wire and The Leftovers wow. for like my favorite things I've ever seen on television. Wow. Um, but I have never seen this show. All I've ever seen is the movie and the movie not real bad. bad. Yeah, right. the movie's real bad. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of, why did they do that if they had this thing that was so good to I work off of? I don't know. I mean, that was something I kind of wanted to bring up because, like, rewatching the show, it just blows my mind how much they fucked it up for the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. The a- Avatar could have easily have been the next Harry Potter in terms of, like, film franchises. It's, it could have literally... been the next Avatar. That's how good yeah. it could have been. But, I mean, it's like literally Harry Potter meets Lord of the Rings. You could have easily gotten five or six movies out of the just the three seasons of the show. Uh, but it has incredible character work, very great uh, action, uh, really interesting themes. It's a kid's show that deals with genocide and uh, Ooh, really spicy. complex issues. Yeah, uh, It is, you know, definitely the type of show like it. it you can see its influence on everything from like Kylo Ren in Star Wars feels wildly influenced by mm. one of the main characters in this show. One of the main characters on this is kind of whiny and was also in yeah. Girls. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, one Zuko was just a real piece of shit to women. Uh, <laughs> but it is it's so good. Like I said, we're about halfway through season three at this point. I cannot suggest it enough. Like I said, I don't think it's just even like a good kid show. I think it's genuinely up there with some of the best stuff that's ever been put on TV. It's one of my favorite uh, versions of the kind of hero's journey narrative, as you will. Um, just great, great stuff around. It's up on Netflix now. Check Amazing. it out. Three seasons of just perfect television. I love it. Uh, I, I'm I'm fascinated by that, having only gone the bad way in. Um, why don't they do... So it feels like like the superhero franchise, they're like, every three years, there's a new Spider-Man. Even if we... Whether we liked it or not, the last mm-hmm. time, 
here's another version of the same story. Why are they not like, hey guys, we blew it. Here is Airbend or here's Avatar: The Last Airbender again with different characters. Like, well, why not just try to not blow it the second time? Well, they are currently. I mean, two of like the most exciting things on the horizon in terms of Netflix is that they are doing a live action avatar series and they're doing a live action cowboy bebop series oh right i didn't um, know about that one I'm, both we'll talk about those, that. I'm excited about that both of those things have kind of like been very radio quiet for a long time i know uh the cowboy bebop had some kind of accident that happened when they had to shut down production for a little oh, bit man. Um, it's so dangerous filming in space you know like, yeah i mean it was really when you yeah. have like a like a dog running around you can't yeah, have the, a corgi the, in space that's just not people a good always idea. say never work with animals or in space uh, but yeah i uh i really like both those series quite a bit i am very excited for netflix to hopefully nail them uh and if not you know whatever i can ignore them and just watch the originals but like both of those ideas sound like very cool netflix live action series so i want to say yeah. something about the cowboy bebop thing because yeah. uh like uh bebop is like really huge to me and i feel like it's gonna suck for some reason just something in my gut is telling me it's gonna be bad but what well, i would okay. like that's not like a real intense gut feeling that's like the odds are it will suck well sure it's like a pretty reasonable guess given i just mean i'm not letting myself get hyped for it yeah, however for that's that's better protect your heart what I'm looking for is for Yoko Kano to to make more music for Cowboy Bebop. Didn't I see a news story that that she is making the music for the new series? I have not heard that yet. If that is a thing, I am a hundred percent going I to be- enjoy that. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty confident I saw that news story float by uh, recently. Yeah, I feel very similar to Hunter and the fact that they're. I mean, the biggest problem the Cowboy Bebop uh, television show has against it is that it's not using the uh, the script I wrote when I was 17 years old yeah, for what a yeah. Cowboy Bebop movie or a TV series would look like, <laughs> specifically a movie, because that's what I actually wrote. Um, but yeah, the fact that they're not using that is a real hindrance. Uh, because I spent a lot of time working on cracking Cowboy Bebop in live right. action. And right. it's just a shame for them to like not even reach out to me. You know, yeah. it's it's the same thing with like whatever the next Ninja Turtles movie is. The fact that they have not reached out to my very good script I've written for what that I, series should it's be. It's fucked up. It's just yeah, fucked it's up. Just, Let's just be just real. Like, it's and like you they, and you have been cool. known for so many years as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comedian. Like, yeah, the, you this was this was your claim to fame. Yeah. Was you being it. having a better grasp? And and to this day, I, I, it was a joke. But your explanation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series is better than any I've ever read. Like it's oh, you understand you, the series better than the people who made it. It's really really good. You sure. uh, you should read my script. It's on a hard drive somewhere. It's very I, good. It's I'm a very sure it exciting, is. very exciting film. Uh, we should just yeah, do readings do it. of it. Yeah, like like that should be what the show is. Like oh, and also. Let's do a real quick. Now there's three of us. There's not four, but here real quick. Alex, Leo, mm-hmm. mm, gotta sure. be, yeah. And then, do we not have a raff or do we have a raff? Because I feel like raff kind of becomes an insult a little bit. 
Hmm. Well, I mean, it depends on how much you want to own it, right? Like, I feel like I, I feel like you, Anthony, and Alex kind of have a Leo Raph thing a little bit. Mm. Like, I like that. Both. I think that's a strong. I think that's true. And then so, I'm going to so be do both Mickey and Donnie. Um, oh, and I okay. do machines and I eat pizza. I party in machines is what I do. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I personally see myself as a bit of a Casey Jones type character. Oh, sure. Oh, interesting. That's exactly what a Raph would say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was uh, like six, I got hit by a car and um, it was my fault. Um, but... <laughs> It super was. This is how it like I I hit like I was running into the street so fast that my first collision was the side of a moving car. So oh I hit it with my body, <laughs> and then the the side mirror of this truck clipped my head. So I would have even been fine if I had been shorter than the mirror. But anyway, which and I you know I feel so terrible for that guy. Although he turned he was a super sweet guy. He like visited me in the hospital, and I was at a t-ball game and he like brought me a new mitt he was very nice he felt terrible Aww. about hitting a kid with his car which we all would but um uh my fault anyway um i the, i have like three memories of that time one of them is meeting that guy in the hospital uh, another one is getting a milkshake on the drive home from the hospital and my sister's not getting one which was great and then the other thing i remember very strongly is being in the ambulance on the way to the hospital and the lady was trying to keep me from dying as i bled from the head by asking me what ninja turtle i was and when I said I like Donatello, she went, huh, that's fine. <laughs> like she wasn't into him. Like I was the wrong answer. And she right. was like, yeah, he's fine. But like she clearly had a better idea of what the cool turtle was. Right. That's true. That's no true. one wanted leadership potential in a T-ball kid in an ambulance. Apparently. Well, I mean, Leo's the leader. Donnie, Donnie's a nerd and a bow staff guy. But I Which mean, one did I say you said Donnie? Donatello. Oh, sorry, I meant Leo. I said Leo, Leo. and she thought that was boring. No, Leo, yeah, I mean, Leo is a stoic yeah. kind of leader yeah. one. He's Leadership potential, that's what guy. I look up to. I look into, <laughs> like, if if there's one thing that I probably am, it's like middle management material. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, all of this is better than what I was going to say about my thing that I watched this week, so I'm going to postpone it one more time, but next week... Oh, can week, we just hear what it was? Just throw no, it out it's, there? I, I mentioned it last week, and I just didn't have the energy to talk about it, and it's the oh, same okay. thing, but next week oh, I'm going to tell right, you, right. Uh, we're going to finish the documentary Ken Burns Civil War next okay. week. We're cool, cool, cool. just started episode nine, and I will tell you my my thoughts. Um, Spoilers, don't tell them how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I, it is weird. I, okay, I don't have time. I don't have time or energy. But I, there was one. It's like the North is losing so bad. Yeah, and then it's over. Like it's yeah. a very swift shift. Uh, yeah. In if uh, you're watching, the, if you were watching this on TV, like, or you from a distance, you're like watching the scoreboard. You'd be like, wait, what? How did this yeah. happen? <laughs> um, if you don't have the passion for that, can I bring up something real fast that I was reminded of this week? And I like I. It floored me, and I sat and just stared at the ceiling for 20 minutes thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, do you remember a few years ago when Weiss and Benioff's follow-up to Game of Thrones was going to be a show called The Confederates? That was oh, supposed yeah. Oh, yeah. Supposed to be, like, premiering around now. Because uh, this one would have come out? Oh, shit. Yeah, about the Confederates winning the Civil I just like that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, yeah. oh my God. Because what every, ever since quarantine has started, I keep thinking, like, man, if they had just not wrapped up Game of Thrones last year, the final season this year, because of quarantine, would have been the biggest thing in the history of television. Ever, yeah. 
for sure. Uh, but then I was like, oh my god, I just like the idea of if the Confederate show came out right now, the reaction that would happen to it, I just. I couldn't even imagine it. It's just like it was it's, it's, that's a fascinating. It's almost like there's a there's a script in here. There's a script idea for an alternate universe where the show about the alternate universe did get made. Yeah, yeah it's just and it debuts now to the biggest numbers in the history of television, but only hate watching. Right? Yeah, it, it was like overwhelming the idea that like, oh my god, that show should have been coming out now if everyone that's hadn't crazy. yelled at them. That that wasn't such a horrible idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know them even make it, like hadn't pointed out that this is the worst idea they've ever heard. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, that's super interesting. I, uh, I, I. This has been an, a, a very long tease, but I will tell you, I will have more energy next week to talk about the Civil War because I have some strong thoughts. It's not that I don't have the passion, Anthony. It's that I don't have the energy for that much passion. Right, um, I'm going to quiz you on Antietam next week, so you I'm better ready. be ready. Oh, I'm so ready. Um, that was a was that a war or a, a battle or a person? That was a battle. Anyway, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, good. Okay, great. So let's jump into our topic for this week. This week, uh, we are talking about Uncle Boonmay, who can recall his past lives. Um, the 2010 film Hunter, mm-hmm. directed by Joe. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we can call him Joe, but that's not his name. But that's what that's what that's what we. You get told to me call last him. week that he tells people to call him Joe, right? Yeah. yeah yes. Yes. Uh, okay, but I mean, that is, I, I just want to make it clear that that is just for our convenience and not, it isn't not, it's not like an organic nickname for him. You know what I mean? But he does tell people. I, I'm not. Yes. Yes. yes we yes. we are not forcing it on him, but I just That's want to say. This is not my benefit. input. This is his yes. input. Anyway. So Hunter, you picked this movie for us. Uh, why, why did we watch this film this week? Well, I mean, last time it was my turn to pick a coffee movie. You were mm-hmm. like, well, this wasn't actually coffee at all. This was kind of soda. It wasn't soda. as coffee and, like, as I expected. It was, it Although you told me, me that you knew that and you were going, you just set it up to be, told me it was harder so that you were protecting your heart if I didn't like it. That's true. But this time I was like, well, let's, well, let's, let's go stronger coffee then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was mm-hmm. like, and I had, there were a couple different ways I could go with it. I was like, it could, I could pick something really kind of over the top and like uh maybe like gross or just really really way too weird but i kind of i feel what i'm trying to get what i want is for us to watch a slow movie a contemplative movie and you Mm. get something out of it so i'm not going to say that i'm going to keep going down this path this is probably the last time i pick a movie this slow for the show for a while but that that was kind of my intention with picking this one. That's interesting. Yeah, I feel like if you were designing a, a you know a, an obstacle course for me, <laughs> I can handle weird. Uh-huh. Slow is much more difficult. For yeah, me. I know. Uh, See, I think so you've you identified that is the yes, that's the thing. This is one of my weaknesses. Although, you, so for a movie that is um, slowly paced, it's a it's under two hours. This is a tight. 108 minutes uh so you gave me it's like short and slow is an interesting different a lot of the Mm -hmm. time when a movie's slow it's also like 40 minutes too long and this was like we're taking our time but we're not going to take your whole night right and i like that about it oh wow so that already big in its favor um but so uh actually let me give you the summary and then we'll talk more about this movie and where it came from so my three sentence summary of uncle boomer who can recall his past lives is thus um, I, I hope Boonmay is close. Is that is that a decent? Boonmay is right. I'm pretty that's sure that's right. Yeah. How I heard them saying it in the movie. Great. Uncle also, Boonmay lives in. 
I was yep. going to say, um, thing about watching Avatar, there's also a character called uh, Boomy in that show. So a lot of Boomy. Is it Boomy or Boon May? Just Boomy in the show, but in right. the movie, it's Boon May. Great, uh, great. Just- okay, cool. Yeah, so a lot of that. Um, also, his son's name was similar. Boon Song. Boon Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was fun. Okay, so anyway. His son was also a ghost monkey. Okay, so um, uh, Uncle Boon May lives in rural Thailand where he runs a farm and is dying either of a kidney disease or because he's getting his dialysis done by a farmhand on a wooden table in the open air. Before he dies, he's visited by the ghost of his deceased wife as well as his son who married a ghost monkey and then converted. Um, So he is now also a monkey. Mm Mm-hmm. As promised uh, by the title, he recalls a past life where he is either a princess who slums it real hard by having sex with a fish or a fish who hits it out of the park by banging a princess. And then he dives in a cave. He dies in a cave. That's the movie. That is Uncle Boone who recalls past lives. I will say, recalling past life, promise checked off. Uncle Boone promise from the title, achieved past lives, plural? Not clear on. I feel like we only saw one past life. Is that wrong? I, I would only really uh, saw one, but he talks about others. Yes, he did discuss. Yeah. So it's I proof mean, that he does. Re- he he can recall them. Can recall. I, yeah. I would also argue that the opening sequence was probably a past life. Oh, I also agree. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about the cow thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I I think you know the real important lesson of this movie is that. Um, Killing communists is bad coma, and you will die horribly <laughs> if you do it. Right. Well, uh, so we also killed too many bugs on the farm using pesticides. So it's unclear to me whether it was the communists or the bugs that really did him in. He's it was not the, clear on it. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't know. It's exactly. all the same to, to it was, karma. It was the communists, though. You don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, his sister-in-law was like so cautious about stepping on bugs, but then later she had the world's largest bug zapper and was just going to town with it. That's true. And, Man, she she got into killing bugs. She leaned hard into that. Um, well, I th- so um, uh, Boonsong, I think, or wait, that wasn't Boonsong. Uh, it was uh, his uh, his like nurse. Uh, I forget what his char- his character's name was. I should pull it up. But uh, he, he makes it sound like she was specifically stepping on the bugs. Actually, yeah. he kind of oh, he thought she was doing on purpose. It. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. So she was really into it, which is going to cost her her kidney later. Mm-hmm. Tong um, is his name. Tong, yeah. Um, so, okay, great. So, um, so many things to discuss. I mm-hmm. really appreciate you mentioning the water buffalo because I had forgotten about that since it happened because the intro is this long sequence of a water buffalo just getting away and then given up. Like it found freedom and then decided it didn't need it that bad because there's no way if that guy, like a guy catches this water buffalo and pulls on the rope a little bit. The water buffalo is like eight times his weight. If it wants to run, right, it doesn't well, need this guy's approval. So it okay. seemed like maybe he wasn't as con- as dedicated to freedom as I had hoped. I think I you're kind of so just being a real city boy about it right now. The thing about cattle, man, is they're not they're not they're not the sharpest tools in the shed. You know what That's I mean? Fair. Like, yeah. Well, I don't know much about water buffaloes, tricked. but I the internet has taught me that cows are basically just large dogs and (laughs) they're just they want to cuddle and they're really fun and silly are this water buffalo had two 
fucking blades coming out of his head and That's could true. easily kill you. Oh man, he looked like he'd kill the shit out of that guy. And he was pretty chill about it. So Yeah, I mean, I think if if you know if water if if it got angry for some reason, if it got provoked, then yeah, yeah. oh oh yeah, it'll get you. But I think it's I like, would not provoke a water buffalo, I decided. Anyway, so that's just we see some past lives and they're worth mm-hmm. talking about. Um there's also this really important uh thing at the end where um the people get cloned while he's in a shower. But anyway, um, before yeah, we get part. to that, <laughs> let's talk about... Okay, so... Um, actually, the main thing I thought, Hunter, is that after leaving this was, this is such a Hunter movie. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah, that's, I felt like this was like, this is this is you. This is such Ooh, a I've you movie. A little bit. Why, why well, do you say that? I think, like, well, partially because you keep trying to submit me to pacing that I don't mm-hmm. like. And then mm-hmm. also... Um, you like weirdness mm-hmm. and uh, you like films where you have to read the bottom of it. <laughs> sure. Um, I don't know if you have a thing for women who fuck fish, uh, but um, that hasn't been a theme. It hasn't right? come up yet. So I don't know. That might not be you. Yeah, um, that's not really yeah, me. It just felt like the sort of like I. Yeah, that's as much as I can unpack that. But yeah. you unpack for me because it is a Hunter movie. You love this movie. Yes, this is a great uh, movie. movie. Well, this Fox is only the second time I've seen it, though. And I will say, this is a movie... What I like about watching this movie is both times I watched it, I feel a little bit out of my depth, which may maybe makes it weird for this show, but whatever. Um, sometimes it's fun to just kind of feel like you're not getting the whole thing. Yes. And I really feel like I don't with this movie. I just want to yeah. stress that. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah, I, mean, I don't even know for sure. Like you, you were saying that the princess—that's probably a past life thing. I don't know. He doesn't say anything about the princess, as far as I remember. That might yeah, just it could, be it could in just the movie. Be, it could be like um, just an intermission movie, just like yeah, a little short a they little put in the middle of the, the film for you to enjoy. But yeah. literally, though, I'm not sure. Like that might be right, as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, to me, what I kind of got from this movie is that this. I, especially in the kind of the context of the film school podcast series is that this mm-hmm. is a really great movie about like what you as an audience member bring to a film and what yeah. you allow a film to show you and experience. Like this is right. something that I really like about like the works about David Lynch, who's been brought up a lot is that yeah. he's the type of director. And this, this film is very similar. That is like, if you wanted to be a kind of snarky, derasive, uh, person, you could certainly sort of mock this film or sort of right. pick it apart in weird ways. But if you were open to allowing the film to show you things, and what I found very interesting about movies like this specifically is I had a really great time after I watched this movie reading a lot of interviews with the director mm, about yeah. his, his thought process and kind of the things he was trying to get at and the kind of the humor and the insights and all this stuff that it's it's the type of movie that is like you can appreciate it without any of that but you have to be willing to go into it with a completely open mind and also like be willing to kind of be taken on this journey and there's a lot of stuff afterwards reading it like so i was reading some interviews with the director and like this film was a part of a larger uh, installation mm-hmm. that had several short films and several mm. uh, kind of weird experimental things along with it. Uh, also, a big part of this movie is that the film is sort of six reels long. 
uh, which is like in terms of like film, it's like you know movies come it's on like a, used to come perfect, on reels. Right? Isn't yeah. it's like the ideal? Isn't that a perfect movie? Well, well, what I mean by that is that so each reel that like when you're building up a film to show it in the theaters, it used to be you would you know one run one reel to the projector while setting up the next, or now you like, kind of just set all the different reels on like a big platter while you yeah, were right. still doing film. Uh, but like each reel of this film is shot in a different style. Yeah, uh, oh. I read that. So yeah, it's like the first you know you, you kind of go from anywhere from like documentary kind of very naturalistic style to very candid slow shots to the you know the fish sequences like an old costume genre on Thai TV back in the day so it was like stuff that's like really enriching to look up afterwards mm-hmm. but without any of that this is certainly the type of movie that you could go and see it and sort of like be very derisive about it like I said I, but actually that, I like that a lot and my I would say that the genre of the uh, princess having sex with a fish, it, the genre of that is um, similar to when they, in the end of the movie, when they go to the restaurant and there is just kind of karaoke happening in a room that's I like not that. focused oh on God, karaoke. I love the ending of this movie so much. Like When I have been in Thai restaurants that have music videos on TV, I feel like they were in, they're usually in the genre of that one where the princess has sex with a fish. Like mm-hmm. there's a, there's a song and I don't know the words and there's that gauzy thing around a lady and oh, then sure, she sure. gets in a pond at some point. Like that just seems like a lot of music videos I've seen uh, in Thai restaurants. So I felt like there was like that. The fact that they go to a place where there's karaoke and like, yeah, we don't have to sing. There's just karaoke happening around them. Who cares that I feel like that is in, uh, was an interesting. Anyway, that's not actually an insight. It's not hashtag analysis. Just well, a thought I, that I, I mean, have. I so there's there's two things that happen in this movie that's very like if I made a movie I would want to try and capture moments like this. I like when characters are talking and then they stop talking and then the scene doesn't change and you're just there with them for a little bit longer. They've run out of things to say and you're just there in that mo- like I love you just that hang out with shit. them on the deck. And that's something that happens in this movie a couple times and every time it happens I'm like, "Oh my god." Cuz that type of stuff kind of I feel more there and it feels more real to me mm. um whenever you're just willing to just kind of be with the characters a bit that yeah. cut of the time the the music starts playing and then it cuts to them in the restaurant and they're just kind of like they're kind of out of sync with the music like yeah. they're the way they're feeling right now is just not on this karaoke level at all uh i really i really like that just in a movie i just feel like i feel like uh there's a lot of stuff in this movie that feels really relatable that you just never see anyone actually put in, uh, put on film at all. Yeah. And like, especially because there's a lot of movies that deal like ultimately what this movie is about is sort of like the transition from like the you know, life to death, right? And kind of mm-hmm. like what that experience is like for you as an individual, the people around mm-hmm. you. Uh, to me, the most effective part of this movie, which is I think is a very nice. I don't know if this was meant to, but it came off as a very metatextual kind of moment. But there's a scene at the end when, like, Uncle Boomy, Boomy is going to die. Uh, he leads, uh, he's being led by his, the ghost of his dead wife, mm-hmm. uh, his sister-in-law and his uh, nephew out mm-hmm. into this cave. And they're in this dark cave. And there's this conversation that happens about, like, I have my eyes open, but I can't see anything. Yeah. And it's 
it's like this. Well, your eyes just need to slowly adjust to what you're seeing. And I right. felt like that was like a metatextual statement on the film itself. Right. That it's like you, it's unless you. Wait, so, adjust- so we're watching it and we can't figure out what we're watching. But if we were dead, we would get it. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, what that's what's yeah, happening yeah. there. You nailed it. You nailed it. Perfect. A plus. When out. you watch this movie, there are ghosts watching it with you, and they're yeah. seeing they are getting the movie even if you're not, basically. I that makes actually a lot of sense. This is sort of pace, it's ghost pace. Yeah. It's like yeah. the way when you're when you're dead, you're not tied to a place, you're tied to a person. You're also yeah. not as concerned about time. They they talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so you're I like mean, you don't this, need a scene to end. You're not in a hurry. You're dead. Uh, Everyone knows the great ghost trilogy, this, Casper, and Frightnos. Uh, the three <laughs> movies you need to watch to really understand that. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Casper because I was curious what his wife's uh, unfinished business was that she gets to keep hanging out here. Right. I, mean, I don't think she really has unfinished business as much. She's just tied to a post. That's your Western brain, Alex. Get out of here with that. Okay. Well, you, just, you mentioned Casper. People. So in the ghost cinematic universe, uh, I thought that meant that you had to have unfinished business. Well, okay, so Western ghosts have unfinished business because that's who we are. That is deep down. Okay, we're just is, getting, we just have to fucking I'm finish to our have job. Organized thought, and I keep running off in different directions. But one thing that we have to talk about is the fact that that the movie is basically like all the characters are like we believe in this religion where uh, you like go to the temple and you leave gifts and the person in the mm-hmm. afterlife feels it. And then this ghost shows up and he's like, did you get my gifts? And she was like, yep, I felt them. And it's just like, as a casual premise of this movie, also the religion is correct. Wait, and I, have you, have you not seen that happen before? Like, no, have you I, not I, seen... never, I love it. Oh, I've wow. I've seen that. But that's great. No, okay. That is, I mean, like I used to have, uh, I used to be friends with these, these guys that were from Laos and they owned a restaurant and they were twins and it was called twin kitchen. It was cute. Um, it's cute. And uh, that's where I noticed uh, that people from Southeast Asia do that. I actually don't really know very much about what that means or anything, but like they would almost every day. Uh, sometimes it would be like a like it would be like a can of Sprite, or like they'd make a Thai tea and they would set it out, and they yeah. would just set it out on like outside somewhere, just like even on the corner of the restaurant, or even just like by the pavement. And that was for, you know, dead people. Well, so I, okay, so I, I have, I am familiar with that okay, tradition. So you, I guess oh, what, okay. I, what I meant was the movie is like, this is right. Like, we're right yes. about that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I have not seen any Southeast Asian film before. And so, I mean, I've, I've never actually seen somebody do it with like a Sprite or a tea, uh, but yeah. I do like that. Um, they were, they but were like, funny about it. It sort of reminds me of the way, like, uh, what thing we talked about in the mummy discussions we've had, which is that like all movies about the about mummies, just as a casual premise of the movie, is like the Egyptians were correct about the afterlife and gods. Like, yes, all of that, hundred percent right. Otherwise, none of this other stuff would happen. Yeah. And so, it, I just I like that. I liked that little like worldy thing where they were just so incredibly chill when his dead wife shows up at dinner. He's yeah. like. They're like, like for a second, his nephew's like, Ugh. oh, yeah, did you get our presents? Like, they just <laughs> so immediately chill about ghosts and and death. And I thought that was so fun. I, I also, I mean, I like movies where people are unimpressed by magic. I think that's just a fun thing. Yes. And so the fact that his son, we have to talk about his son, because his, his dead wife comes back as a ghost. She's attached and to she's him. she's just a regular ghost. Just regular normal. ass ghost. Yeah. Um, although she does interact with the corporeal world, and she's the one who like, actually murders him at the end oh yeah but, um 
the before that, Ghost Wife shows up, no big deal. But then his son, who went missing almost 15 years ago, shows up, but is now a monkey. Mm-hmm. And what he a says monkey is with, like red, bright red eyes. Yes, yes, glowing, yeah. terrifying red eyes. This was he's sort the, of like, a, like he's like a he's Chewbacca esque. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was the sequence to me that I said felt very Miyazaki esque. Yeah, of, like spirits and ghosts kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah, and like walking in the forest and seeing yeah. a ghost monkey and then marrying one and becoming one that feels like Miyazaki as well. Right. right. Um. Maybe without the marriage part. That all the like. So anyway, so his story is: I was in the woods taking photos. That's what I do. I saw these cool ghost monkeys. I thought. I don't love my parents as much as I love this ghost monkey. I will follow them forever. I can hear my parents calling me home. Right. I don't care. I want these ghost monkeys. And then, which is already a big deal. That's like a huge. Right. That's a, it's an intense thing for Tanger to do. But then well, he takes the even bigger step of marrying one. Mm-hmm. Like, I get chasing ghost monkeys off into the woods if you see one. But then taking one as your partner and... Uh, uh, consummating it and then becoming a monkey yourself like that is a huge step i am and the just... movie the movie doesn't even frame anything you're saying as if like this was some sort of tragedy or if that it's not that even was... that weird in yeah. the movie they yeah. that's what i meant by i like when people are kind of like unimpressed mm-hmm. by magic like the fact that their son comes back from the dead they think turns out just fucked a monkey and became one and they're like oh yeah yeah cool and then you know what he <laughs> doesn't become an important part of the story Uh, he's gone mostly you see his eyes sometimes and his friend's eyes not even in the rest of the movie right yeah that's a good point i love that scene though that was the scene a great scene that was the scene where i realized that i was that i was going to be really into the movie before that i was i was pretty much like i'm not i want to talk about something that's a little um about the it's about the beginning sequence but it kind of goes throughout the movie i find it really fascinating where joe chooses to put or the Joe and the cinematographers, because it looks like there's there were three, um, where they choose to put the camera. It's always a place Interesting. that doesn't really make any sense to me. In almost like like it, so it'll be like the camera will be. It's it's maybe even in the dinner scene. Let's use that as an example. It'll be like behind the table. Um, somebody's talking. We can't even see them right now because somebody else is in the way of that person. There are, the, there are all these like very weird choices with where the camera is placed that yeah. sometimes deliberately almost like works against the like the acting or even yeah, there's, just the camera is placed in such a way that six months ago me might suggest that uh, it was bad it was set up wrong and that <laughs> yeah. people just kept standing in the way right. of the sight lines. Right. So what I think so every um, every auteur kind of has like I feel like a theory of like what their camera is like what it is supposed to represent you can watch like David Fincher mm. will talk about his camera is like omnipotent and it can do anything and it's like right. it's almost like God um, or like a cold God or something um, and I feel like the camera placement uh, in all of the dialogue scenes of this movie they make you feel like a ghost watching mm. Like peering, but not like you're not like a voyeur. You're just kind of like in the space with them, like in an eerie kind of yeah, unsettling I'm tied dream to them, way. but they're not 
interested in hanging out with me. Yeah, and it's so and that's why it's not focused either. It's not like it's like, oh, the camera is framing everyone in this specific, like dramatic way. It's always just like the camera's just kind of in the space. Man, that's such a else. good that's such a good insight. Holy cow. I like that. <laughs> I don't I wish I had a better joke for it, but I'm just like stoked on that and thinking yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I mean is- I've I got that in rewatching it. I will say I did not I did not think about that at all. Uh, in the first man but hashtag insight that's really good um i guess this is part of why i think though this feels like a hunter movie to me as i i would say if i was describing to somebody else to be like think one of the things hunter likes is when a movie feels like it's a metaphor but you're not sure what for yeah and that's like this movie ended and my wife and i were just like that feels like it was a metaphor (laughs) <laughs> but I don't know. I have, like, could not tell you. I have no idea. Yeah. I, and and she did some reading. She was curious. And it did seem like me, like, like Anthony was talking about with the interviews with Joe, that he, if he knows what it's a metaphor for, he's not telling. Sure. That's yeah. on you. I, I think so. Um, but also, I wonder if like how much it actually is a metaphor, because the other the one quote my wife shared, because I don't like I don't want to get spoiled by other people's insight. I want to get your insight mm-hmm. and let it surprise wash over me on the show um, because I think it's good radio. But the one thing that she did send me was a quote that Joe had about his next movie after this one, um, which I, probably exists by now since this was 2010. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, he said uh, his next project This is before it came out. He's like, my next project uh, stars Tilda Swinton. It concerns the Mekong River. He explains, and it will address the relationship between man, the water, the catastrophic flooding, which is blamed on Chinese dams and disease spread by industrial scale pig farming, none of which particularly brings to mind Tilda Swinton. Uh, And then he says, it's definitely not going to be a film that just has a foreign movie star for the sake of it. It's going to be an exchange of ideas, of images, of, I don't know, it's like a game for me. The river, the pigs, (laughs) Tilda Swinton. And that is like one of the most delightful things I've ever read about an artist where he's like, it's kind of like a game, you know, the river, the pigs, Tilda Swinton. Like what a fun game to get to play. All those elements would be fun together and it makes sense to me. So I mean, the the most I can hope for for any artist I like is that they eventually work with Tilda Swinton. What a nice thing to wish on somebody. Always awesome i love watching her she's such a malleable performance i love she's insane yeah it's great but i mean highest aspiration see what i what i kind of took from this movie i think is that again with that kind of like idea of how you approach it is that at the end of the movie i didn't really think that this was a metaphor as much as like i thought this was like a very gentle contemplative idea about what it is to pass from one state to another mm-hmm. right like i didn't I like really get, get the idea that there's supposed to be that kind of this grand metaphor that you're supposed to take away from what i sort of took from the movie was this sort of like hypnotic slow methodical just journey that you go on that i you know, if the uh, from what I've read and researched afterwards, I definitely kind of see what the director was going for. I read a lot about him talking about this was like sort of the the death of film itself, and mm-hmm. like the, the you know going from digital uh, film photography to digital photography, and the death mm-hmm. of like specific types of stuff that was very personal in terms of what it means to be a filmmaker in Thailand. Uh, as it, we go from like one format change to another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that that's all there. But at the end, I wasn't really searching for any kind of grander meaning. It was more of like a movie that I think if you kind of accept it on its own terms. Yeah. And let it sort of just wash over you. 
it's just like an interesting introspective thing also has like really weird bits of humor and mm-hmm. odd, Goofy at like, times. odd when the when the race. when his son describes that he chose to fuck the ghost monkey i laughed heartily i had a great time <laughs> with that there, and then when the fish lady, the yeah. lady has, this, I'm, and by the way, I'm making it sound like this movie is mostly about bestiality. It is a it really minor sub theme. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a very small part of the movie. It's around, um, but it's not the only thing that's happening. But um, it is two of the funniest moments. And the thing, the second one, the fish lady was like, it was kind of frustrating because in a slow movie, sometimes I like to think, man, wouldn't it be funny if this happened next? And then the things that happened were so much more than what I thought. Right, and that's, yeah. uh, it's like frustrating for me as a person having fun riffing on a movie to be like, man, she's going to fuck this fish. And then she starts doing it. And it's like, oh, Whoa. wow. Gnarly. <laughs> okay. Jeez. And, yeah, and then realistically, too. They didn't like yeah. drama. Like it was like, I guess this is how that would go. I'd never I thought about it before. Go, yeah. Well, it was more. I feel like her body moved back and forth more severely for their disparate oh, weight, She was playing you know? it up a little bit. I think she like, was playing it up a little it. bit. Yeah, <laughs> you've never been fucked by a magic fish before in this show, Alex. I mean, I, I know it's 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 fish physics. It's just like you know, a small <laughs> item put- of you watching this with your wife of being like kind of threatened and looking over and be like, she's faking. This is not this is bullshit. This is not how this is not how this would go. This is the entire time uh, I was just letting her know, like, this is not how it is. Don't yeah, it, like don't get the grass excited, is always like- greener. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is the type of sequence that I was like, you don't. That's another thing that like kind of really bugs me about when people are very kind of like cynical and negative about sort of like more outhouse mm-hmm. films like this is that there is like you don't film a woman getting fucked by a catfish yeah. and not realize that it is kind of funny and ridiculous. Right? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. You must have been aware. Yeah, there is like this idea when like people see a movie like this, they sort of think like these people are just like. They they don't they're not conscious of the things that they're doing differently than other films like this. And it's like, no, these are people, very smart people who are fully aware of what they're filming and what they're showing you. And the stuff about the like the the catfish scene is like it's very funny and it's very surreal and it's such like this moment that is like out of nowhere, doesn't really tie back in anything. And after it happened, my wife and I looked over at each other and we're like, so was he the catfish or was he the lady? Yeah. Was he the guy <laughs> carrying them. Like it's, it's yeah. everything yeah. that's like, it's so absurd. And, but also leaves you with this question that like the way you interpret your answer to that affects everything that kind of comes after. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, does it does it matter if he's a he's the fish or the princess? Well, what do you think? Why are you being shown it? You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, well, it, it kinda, I, it's all I, open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't think it would affect my interpretation of the rest of the movie if he was the fish or the princess. I don't really see how either one of those characters plays into his current character. Um, I but know, I but will I, say I mean, the fish. Why would what? it be the fish? The fish was like a almost like a river spirit. Like it wasn't even quite a. A fish, you know. I mean, but, it I mean her first, so you, know? you don't. Well, it could have been the. It could have been the princess's guard who got cuckolded yeah. by the fish. Hmm. Oh, why isn't he that guy? Yeah, but I mean, be. I think the the question, Alex, is what what you're saying is like, how does it tie into him later? How do past lives tie into somebody? Like, it's a whole yeah, different yeah, yeah. life. It's a whole different That's reality. True. It is mm-hmm. a arc unto itself. The way that it doesn't 
matter as much as the idea of like the comic baggage that comes over with it. It's I will tell you, you know? my wife and I had a slightly different discussion after that scene where we did not ask which one he was. We asked which one of them got the better end of the deal. Oh. Um, cause the, the question is like, cause like sh- her thing is like, oh, I am not very attractive. And then the fish is right. like, you're super hot. The question is like, is she hot for a person? Like, does he appreciate what human hotness is? Or is he like, you are an ugly person, but a really good looking fish. Is this like an ugly duckling situation where it's like oh, you just changed the species? Now you're hot. So did he think he was fucking a really hot fish with two legs? Well, or... did, she, did she turn into a fish at the end as well? Because there's multiple well, right, because that's what the ghost fish. monkey does. Yeah, right. That's there's true. multiple catfish in the water at the end of that sequence. That's well, true. yeah, I was assuming they were just into watching. Actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they were also, just watching. <laughs> also. Like, was he actually a catfish or was he secretly like a 50 year old bald guy? A right? secret was... bald guy? Yeah, he was catfishing her. Oh, I see. I, I'm sorry. Um, which was a, a, a super un- awkward setup to uh, a very, very brief episode of Alex's Wiki Hole. So do you guys oh, want to know no. where the term catfishing comes from? Yeah, sure. The movie Catfish? Well, Let's well, jump in your wiki hole. Everybody, I'm going to I'm going to uh, pull it open for you so you can peer down inside it. Don't come in. Just look in. Uh, here's my wiki hole. Um, so, yeah, I, it, so it is the movie Catfish is what popularized the term. But the movie Catfish, um, uh, the, the documentary Catfish um, includes an anecdote of why they call it that. And the anecdote in the movie is that they used to tank cod from Alaska all the way to China, like try to keep them alive in the boats after they caught them in Alaska to sell them in China. But they kept getting the vats when the ship would show up in China, that they would be like mushy and tasteless and sad fish. So this guy came up with the idea that you put these cods in this big tank, but then you put some catfish in with them and the catfish keep the cod agile, keeps them moving, keeps them on their toes. So when they get to China, they're like still like healthy, exciting catfish or uh, cod. And so would he, and then the, the movie suggests you there are these people in your life who are like catfish to you where they keep you on your toes they keep you guessing they mess you up a little bit but they make you stronger in the long run and uh that's the movie's uh, description of uh the catfish anecdote now that anecdote not related to the movie has been around for at least 100 years and is almost certainly not true um oh. people have been saying this for a long time right right nobody wanted fresh cod in china like cod the reason you catch cod is cuz you process it before you ship it salt it you preserve it yeah yeah no one is shipping tanks of fresh codfish to china it's just not it just doesn't make any sense from a fishing standpoint so it's a lie also cod or a saltwater fish cat wa- catfish they live in fresh water yeah so you can't just have a codfish tank throw some catfish in it they'll just die right away and the, and the codfish will be like oh it's a dead catfish how annoying right um plus catfish are a bottom feeder not a predator that cod would give a shit about um so it really doesn't actually make a lot of sense. So if that's where the term came from is from the anecdote in and then that anecdote led to the movie and the movie is why we call it that. And then we just the show on MTV took the movie and made it less about people keeping your toes and more just about people on the Internet lying to you. I that is always thought my wiki hole. it came from, um, you know, what noodling is noodling like in a in a rock song where the guitar oh, player just goes noise, 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 noise. Uh, catfishing 
uh, when you, like, um, so it's very big. I don't, I don't know, Hunter, you've ever heard of this. You're from the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people who, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. who um, go fishing for catfish through noodling, that's when you catch catfish with your hand. With your finger. You put your yeah. finger, no finger in there, and then yeah. the so, fish yeah. comes up and is like, hey, is that food? And you're like, no. Yeah, <laughs> so you that's, wait, do you just use your fish as a hook and move it around like it's a noodle and then just grab uh, it? You use yeah. your arm as a hook, yes. So you yeah. wait for the... It's a very popular way to catch catfish down in the south, but you bring uh-huh. your thumb in the water, you shake your hands like the noodles, the catfish come bite your hand. Catfish famously love spaghetti, so yeah. they're like, oh shit, and spaghetti night. You pull the catfish out with its mouth around your arm, and then you pull it off your arm and you throw it in your boat. That's noodling. That's how that's people catch catfish. absolutely fucking crazy. That's the, that's insane. I can't that's believe the only that. Way. I mean, sometimes we'll go out there on the lake or whatever, and we'll have our rods and reels, but that's just that's just us tricking the outside world. We just use our hands. That's yeah. how people have been uh, doing it the whole time. Even commercial fishing's like that. Y'all, it's just guys with really good arms. Mm-hmm. Big Man. fish catching arms is what we wow. call them. That's gross. I've always hell. thought that <laughs> That deception was with the term catfish. Interesting. That's a good good guess too, but it is wrong. Um, it's all based on this lie about Alaskan cod. Um, uh, one other really, since we're on tangent land, one other even further tangent. So the seed at the end, which we maybe should discuss a little bit, where yes. um, the son-in-law or the nephew, sorry, the nephew has become a monk like real fast, yeah, but does not care for it. Well, so it comes forward in time. Like it's like in, you know, after he he was like nursing his uncle and now I guess he's going to be a monk. Yeah, I mean, but like, has, his, like it's a, at the funeral. It's after the funeral. So it's like not that long. Oh, sure. Sure. You, you also have to consider like the the fairly profound experience of being led by a ghost to watch your uncle die in a cave. <laughs> And well, that's a good point. I was just out of the cave the next morning. Yes. That's going to change you. Right? Yeah. yeah, you you just saw indisputable proof that this religion is correct. You might mm-hmm. want to become a monk now. Yeah, probably. Uh, that makes I'd total probably get sense with the program. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so before, like, his, but then he decides not to be a monk because it's too hard, and so he wants to go get dinner instead. But first, he wants to take a, a long shower, and we won't because the movie is sort of um casually paced. We watch him shower for a while, which is yeah. secretly something that I, uh, in a non-sexual way, had been interested in doing for some time because <laughs> I'm just curious how okay. other people do it. Oh, OK. Just and what, one thing he did, he watched his he washed his neck meat like the front neck his neck meat. OK, he, he took a bar of soap and just really, really cleaned his neck meat. I do not wash my neck. Do you guys wash your neck meat in the shower? I wash most yeah. of me. Uh, I don't know. You do? You specifically about. rub it on your throat. You take the soap and you're... Really? Alex, I, the, I, Alex, you go in the shower. Here, let me just break mm-hmm. it down for you. <laughs> so you go in the shower. You put water yeah. on yourself. You mm-hmm. take... There's two types of soap, really. There's the body soap and then the head hair soap. Yeah, yeah, but okay. You gotta do it all, bud. Like it's like you don't just like leave a part out because then uh, that's a dirty part. You get wait, Alex, so, Alex, Oh no, there's no Alex, way. We gotta get into this. Are you the type of person who doesn't wash their legs? Right. So this is what I was wondering because there was this thing that happened in podcasts like last year where somebody mentioned they didn't wash their legs and the whole internet blew up and it was kind of divided into people who wash their legs and don't wash their legs. Well, it's um, a white people, white person thing. A lot of white people don't wash their legs. What? There did I did see that in the internet discussion, as with many internet discussions, it did become racialized. I do not wash my legs. 
I do not wash my neck meat. Here's the thing you're missing, Hunter, is that if you wash your head and your, uh-huh. I guess, four dirt zones. Oh, no, I then know what you're about to say now. The rest of you is getting just oh, a my ton God. of hot water and soap all the time uh-huh. pouring over it. Right, but it... It's like not, okay if you if you take your car through the car wash yeah, okay. they do I the brushes car wash how did I know you're okay so they do the brushes on a couple of the tricky parts but then the rest of it you just spray with soap and water well that's like a nice metallic surface not a skin yeah and exactly and things you need to wash your whole body Alex there, no there I get into your skin do you feel like skin. at this point in your life that everyone around me is horrified by my legs after 36 years of never no, washing but, them? No, no, it's it's not. I don't give a fuck about your legs. Is that you don't give a fuck about your legs? That's the problem. I right. think it should be. No, it seems like we're all on the same page. Then no one cares about them. They're I fine. Bet, I bet you and your wife yeah, share sure. the, <laughs> share the same bar of soap and don't use like like loofahs or rags or anything like that too. both of uh, those facts are true wow you people are fucking gross this i will say ridiculous. we didn't we did not used to um but she was trying this is the discussion we've had about how other people shower because she uh feels like people seem to take much faster showers than she does and so she was trying to figure out what corners to cut and so then we started discussing which things that we do in the shower and so she Decided to adopt the no loofah soap bar method, which yeah. does speed it up significantly if you don't have to spend it, the time lathering body wash uh-huh. on a loofah. What the yeah. f- hell are does you not, talking it, it, about? Who's yeah. cutting corners in the shower? <laughs> wash your goddamn well, feet. It's, it's about shower efficiency, okay? We're yeah. trying to be good worker bees. I will you know? say one, two, three, four, plus each feet. That's five, six. I would say there's six parts you need to wash with the body soap, and you do the head soap, and you're done. No, you wash and actually face wash. I do face wash as well, but I never on the face. I do the front face. I don't do the under chin neck meat. I don't even feel like I don't even well, know. You, like, well, you should feet. definitely do under chin neck meat. Like that's this, what? Like my feet are rubbing on the ground. Like there are places that produce a lot of sweat and oils and gr- and dirt yes. gets on them. But my yes. neck meat is not exposed to anything but air all day. I think you're wasting two minutes a day washing legs what about and when you meat? touch your neck like what are what do you think is happening whenever you yeah. take your filthy when, dirty hands and you touch I do your wash neck? my hands so that's well, one thing uh-huh, i do but but yeah. what about whenever you don't like what about what are you just constantly washing how your hands often your do you hand? touch your neck and i, I don't know how often and, i touch my neck man but i probably touch my neck at some point yeah it's no just going up to my it's a it's a vertical surface it's not attaching a if lot of you dust are gonna to my try neck. and sit here right now and make an argument that not washing your whole body is like what is like that's what people should just think like oh don't have to wash my whole body like it just seems so obvious to me that of course, you should wash your whole body. Now, does it mean you're going to die if you don't wash your whole body? What? A, no, no, probably I mean, not. I'm 36 years in of never washing huh. my neck meat, and I'm fine. And you're fine. No, it's, yeah. sure. it's it's fine. You a petulant child who had parents who didn't <laughs> raise you well. That's all it's this like, comes down to. Like, it's just any sensible person washes their whole body. If you don't not, do that... That's absolutely not true. The, 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 I remember when this first blew up, and the answer yeah. was, no, that's not true. Well, no, no. I you know what I'm in that that part. I get when I get in the shower. I I never thought I would have to say this out loud. But when I get in the shower, the goal is to wash my whole body. Now I know that makes me a freak. Mm-hmm. I know that makes me a huge weirdo right now. But that's just how that's simply how I approach it. Is mm-hmm. like you 
you but you're saying that's your target. It doesn't mean you hit that every time. Definitely not. I definitely don't hit that every time. I'm in a hurry sometimes. I've done yeah. a quickie shower. Like, well, so this is what I th- I think. So maybe like once a week, I my if you need like a special leg wash, that's fine. But there's no way you're getting enough. Some people even wash their hair every day, and they say it's better for their hair not to get it not to actually wash it every day. There's no way that your legs need a daily wash if your hair doesn't. Daily your hair scrap. produces no. way more oil than your legs. No, Alex, you're. A gross mayonnaise eating white person. That's all it really comes down to. Like, I just, it's just like, I, I genuinely think, again, maybe I may be prejudiced, but from what I've seen of the culture stuff about this, Mm -hmm. it's weird not to wash your legs. You should wash your legs. Nope. It's your body. You should have some goddamn self-respect for yourself. I, uh, and it's just like it's I respect it so much I know what parts need what attention. That's what I do. I feel like your goal in the shower, it's not it's not it's not like the goal isn't to get every single thing. Your goal is to hit the highlights. Your goal is to do mm-hmm. the best of my body with soap. That's the your best goal. of. Yeah. It's yeah. just yeah, just the best of You're doing a grab. compilation. This is uh-huh. of your body. Not, only the not hits. I'm all, every, not only the exactly. hits. Exactly. I get into the shower, I play the slide. hits, I get out of the shower. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, that's what All right. it is. So lastly, on this topic, before we move on, or not on that topic, now that we've had that, one more thing about the movie that I want to ask you, which is mm-hmm. you mentioned that this won the Palme d'Or mm-hmm. in 2010. Um, and we talked. I asked you about Oscars, and we agreed that uh, winning the Best Picture Oscar does not mean that you're a good movie. Um, a lot of them seem like they're not. Is yeah. the Palme d'Or consistently great like if you were like i'm gonna watch every palm to aura for the last hundred years would you be oh yeah that'd be are there some stinkers in there or is it like i mean i'm sure there is i'm sure there is but you'd probably be yeah you'd that that would that would of all the prizes i can think of that's the one that has the the most uh moxie as far as i know you know i mean i've never been to any of these festivals or anything but i do feel that you're definitely getting probably the widest range and diverse types of film. I mean, maybe not the most, because you're not going to get, like, you know, a big action movie or anything. Right. Like that. But well, that's what I was going to ask. So what's the is, genre of Palme d'Or movies, then? Well, it's pretty pretty different. Depends on the year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're going to get, you know, definitely a huge selection of movies from around the world about very different experiences mm-hmm. compared to, like, the Oscars, which, like, you know, every once in a while you get an outlier. But most of the time, if you're looking at the best picture, you're looking at, like, one of five genres and types of stories, right? Like, either, like, how great movies are, how great white people as heroes during the Holocaust yeah. mm-hmm. are. Yeah. How, you know, like, um, a big pretentious family genre. Like, you're not going to be getting a huge thing, but something like the Cannes Festival Awards, you're going to be getting stuff from all across the world from different cultures and languages and get a really different widespread of it. Uh, so, and so the one thing though that they both have in common is that this, uh, the, the Palme d'Or has gone to at least one movie where someone has sex with a fish and the Oscar Best Picture has also gone to a movie where somebody has sex with a fish. So uh, recently even. So we have that as a thing that jurors for best picture like. It does kind of play well with the with the juries. You if know, you're doing like award it. bait. Yeah, you're like. Yeah, bait. That's a someone key should word. get in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Someone should get in this fish or Take vice versa. Bucket. 
take a bite of this film. Fish, yeah. Fish fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be the, the promo. Take a bite. Fish fuck the movie. All right. Fish that's fuck. Yeah, that's going to be our compilation. That's our movie where we like take all of our learning from Slightly Condescending Film School and I make a movie that is like guaranteed to be important. Mm-hmm. One thing that's going to have to happen. Somebody oh, yeah, sex yeah. With it's, it, well, you know, it's it's festival bait. We're looking to go on the, the award circuit. We're trying to get in that pool of films, kind of swim around, do our thing, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a couple other things that are very important that we're going to talk about um, after I play this terrible sting. Nice. Man, I really don't like that as much as when I first picked it. I should find a new sting. But yeah, it's just so low energy. It's you know? so low energy. Yeah, feels um, like Uncle Boone May. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> well, yeah, he is getting some at home care that is suspicious to me. I don't know. Um, I don't well, know I mean, a lot. This is from Lao, Alex, is that it? <laughs> huh? No. Although, although his racist sister in law really makes out well in this movie, like. As far as karma goes, we learn that she's racist and loves killing bugs and that like and then she just gets a farm for free and a lot of money. Um, seems like things work out for her. OK, uh, anyway, uh, but we're moving on from the from Uncle Boone to talk about a couple things. First of all, it's time to thank a new meat buddy. So as uh, we haven't done it in a little bit because we haven't been trying to get new meat buddies in a while. Um, we've got a new meat buddy. And so we got a few and we're going to spread them out and thank them one at a time unless this crazy amount keeps up and then I'll we'll have to do multiples. But the first meet buddy I want to thank for jumping in to the new Patreon, which you can support us by going to patreon.com slash meet buddies or just metreon.com, M-E-A-T-R-E-O-N, which I bought and caused it to redirect during the, the recording of this show. Very efficient use of our time. Anyway, um, our new our newest Metreon is Ian from Akron. And Ian, uh, we, we give people an option. Um uh, for what we can do during their thank you segment. And Ian has chosen to play the game of two truths and a lie. And I do have the answer in my inbox, but I've not looked at it yet. So before I get into Ian's game of truths and a lie with you guys, um, uh, I just want to read from Ian's uh, email. Ian says, uh, your show is one that I look forward to each week. I've been listening since the early days of reading Twilight, which is literally the earliest days. That's 530 some episodes ago. Um which is like over over 11 years now. I think we might be coming up on our 11 year anniversary. Um, so goddamn long time, Ian. Uh, very impressed. Um, not sure how I found you originally, but I'm glad that I did. I've loved every season. Uh, I always meant to become a, to sponsor an episode and make you read State of Fear, the anti-environmental thriller by Michael Crichton. Uh. Oh, geez. Um, that is intense sounding. Uh, no, I don't that- that is a, a book I've been thinking about a lot this week. As other other people talk about authors who meant a lot to them turning really shitty. <laughs> uh, I love telling people, yeah, you want know to like to love Michael Crichton and have him become a giant anti climate change advocate. Man, there uh, are yeah. So, so you're obviously talking about J.K. Rowling and. Um, there are a few people in the world and JK Rowling is one of them. I think maybe Elon Musk might be one of them. There's a few people where it's just like, if Twitter didn't exist, people would like you. Yeah. Like if yeah. people judged only your sure. work, yeah, yeah. people would think you are great and you just can't not 
say something stupid in public. Let, you can't let us live in like, the dark about how shitty you, know how you are. Easy it would be for J.K. Rowling to not have an opinion on trans issues in it's public. True. Like it's, it's not. So, man, like, this is this is such an own goal, and she's we weren't been, like, really going for for her to talk about any of that. No one was clamoring to find out. That anyway, it's like oh, it's just so embarrassing. Like. All you had to do was not say anything. Like, imagine having that. It's sort of like the big money button where it's like, all you had to do to be a hero mm-hmm. was not say anything publicly stupid. Right. I mean, not tweeting is free. I don't know if a lot of people yeah, know okay. that. It's so free. Literally oh. just not do it. Also, yeah. like, J.K. Rowling, like, you hire an intern to be in charge of, like, tweeting Harry Potter-related things on Harry Potter-related days. Uh, movie release, you need know, a new movie release content. Le- like you just, there's just plenty of J.K. Rowling content that does not involve ruining everybody's opinion of you. That you could yeah. just have someone else do. Yeah. Oh my god. And it's like, like at this point, it's like I wish she just stopped when she told us that wizards pooped on the floor. Like we could have been done then, and we would have been like, "Wow, you're a crazy person." But at least it's over. And she was not. She, she that was not enough for her. Oh my god. Um. Anyway. So yeah, Michael Crichton at least he wrote a book showing that he sucked. That's a different thing. Uh, that's like that's even I guess more work than tweeting. Oh yeah, that's a lot of work. That's maybe special. it's worse. Like, he was he was dedicated. He was just yeah. like I need you to know I suck. Well, <laughs> he didn't also he didn't just write a book. He also like appeared on the floor of the Senate to oh, God. justify his science. And I didn't like know that. that. I didn't yeah, know that's insane. Michael, oh man, Michael Crichton went real real anti-climate change globalist well really awful and we don't do a lot of terrible books anymore but if somebody wanted to sponsor that i am curious the particular flavor of suck that that is so i'm open <laughs> to that um that's interesting to me um in the part of my brain that used to do a lot more of these bad things um going back to ian's email i, I felt bad for not being a meat buddy but i wasn't sure how to contribute before patreon may not be perfect but since i use them already to give other podcasts it was easy for me to add yours and i'm all about doing things that are easy and we are too that's the main thing i don't want anyone to try too hard to donate money to us mm-hmm. i that's why i bought metreon.com so you don't even have to f- remember the whole slash thing you know yeah um actually the the real story of like why i ended up moving over i told you about all the things that went bad uh and i had to like make the pages stop working mostly the form stopped working but then another thing that happened somebody emailed and was like i've tried to donate twice and it didn't work and i was like man if somebody is willing to try twice to give me money yeah like once i would understand you try it and you leave for sure you tried twice it didn't work and then you emailed me to tell me that i need to make a thing for you to give me money like that's well, just insane that's how we got to metreon that's how we got to metreon so uh to thank ian uh we offered a brief segment and ian has asked us to play two truths and a lie and he says every time you've done one of these in the past i tried to think of my own answers so i am prepared here it goes okay so we're gonna play two truths and a lie from yeah. ian uh, i'm gonna give you the three facts um, the three truths, and then you're going to figure out which one you don't believe. So, number one, I was a stand-in for John C- John Cusack on Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Number okay. two, I was born the same day as Julian Lennon. And number three, I write erotic fiction under a pseudonym. Okay, what that last one's obviously true. Um, yeah, it, that would be an interesting lie. Um, yeah. 
for sure true. You know why? Because it doesn't sound far fetched at all. Is really why. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess so. I uh, I do wonder how many people I've met at some point are like also secretly writing erotic fiction because it's, it's almost 100%. all of us under them. Yeah. All, all of us are <laughs> constant. I mean, let's just. I think we can all kind of come out now and just say, hey. All of that filth on the internet, we've all we were we're all doing that. I mean, I think you probably I, I doubt it because it's so hard to write filth. It turns uh-huh. out, um, yeah. I and I have not tried very hard, but Anthony and I or not Anthony, I'm um, sorry, Ezra and I wrote this uh, book about mummies, as you all know, and mm-hmm. then and it was it was based it was a Twilight parody, as you also know, and then our 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 funny idea was we'll release this book that's based on Twilight, and then there's this very successful erotica book. Fifty Shades of Grey that was originally Twilight erotic fan fiction yes, and that yes. got its own series. So we're going to be the first people to write erotic fan fiction of our own book. Yeah. And then go. we're going to use that to get famous and write our second, our Fifty Shades of Grey parody, um, which we had. Um, oh, man. Oh, yeah. It was Hardcore Bandage. That's what it was called because it was that, a mummy. Um, that's wonderful. And so we we're going to write Hardcore Bandage. And we were we spent maybe 10 minutes think, like working on it. And we we're like, there's no way we can just write filth. It's so uncomfortable. Uh, it's really yeah, difficult. I, yeah, I'm, I mean. I'm, I'm going to go out <laughs> on a limb here. Just to get back to the two truths and lie. Mm-hmm. Say he was clearly born the same day as Sean Lennon. So the Julian <laughs> Lennon thing, it's just like, it's a clever one step to remove thing, which is how you can usually tell with these types of things. Oh, right? interesting. Yeah. Um, I like that tactic. I don't immediately know who Julian or Sean Lennon are. Um, They're John Lennon's kids. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wait, so you, okay, wait, but Sean Lennon is like way more famous? No, they're both like famous for whatever they but- do being... Not as so, songwriters as their dads. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're saying if it was John Lennon, that might be true. But picking the one slightly removed one sounds like a lie construction. Can I say something yeah. real quick about John Lennon? I've been wanting to get off my chest for a while. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm starting to make you hold back for this entire so, podcast. So Please, I let have, it go. <laughs> so uh, something I've noticed is that when lately, well, in the last 10 years, whenever the Beatles get brought up, a lot of people like to remind me and everyone that John Lennon was really a shitty dad uh, and did a lot of shitty things. Uh, Oh, really? And and I am not going, I am not about to say that he didn't, but I do want to remind everyone that John Lennon was murdered. So like you kind of are every, I just want to say, I think we're all kind of even a little bit, especially just like random people that aren't related to John. Yeah. Uh, and I have just kind of wanted a general like, let's just kind of cool it. Like, yeah, I get no, it. I want, give you, I want to give you a quick counterpoint on that, which is yeah. like, how could you do that to your kids? Well, no. <laughs> murdered. Like, can you imagine the effect this has on them? Right, right. To blame. Yeah, yeah. Can You're I, right. He I, should get that blame too. He shouldn't I, have done I, that. I really, absolutely. I feel like John Lennon being a shitty person is one of the like lamest most obnoxious things people who just who have it's the type of thing that people who have no other personality but mm-hmm. to ruin things for other people right uh just hang out at places I'm right people here the beatles i'm uh, right here <laughs> but i i've never heard you the thing is now that i you've learned this about you i'm pretty sure next time someone brings up the beatles you'll be like well did you know that john lennon was like an abusive spouse like, he was yeah, really he was really I, shitty 
He was really shitty. Like, I yeah, did yeah. not know that, but I, I get it. Yeah, I know that. Let me fucking listen to you. Got to carry that weight, bro. It's a right. good song, right? <laughs> like, I'm well, sorry. I I have this curse where when I know terrible things about somebody and then I hear their music, it reminds me of the terrible things they did, and my ability to enjoy it goes but down. Is it, but isn't it different when their life ends tragically? Like, does well, is I, there any I mean, kind I'm, of like I'm I'm super interested in in your thoughts on this because. I am freak. I have had the opportunity, the experience a couple of times where somebody who I thought was not a great person has died and dealing with that, like, and it's like, I will call it a Kobe syndrome, for example, oh, oh, okay. where, oh, oh dear, <laughs> um, uh, where his name is on every bus and his face is on the side of every building all of a sudden. Yeah. And I remember a bad thing that he did. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that because someone died, that part does not matter at all. And I understand, like, if it's a personal That's not friend, what I, I want to be clear. That is not yeah. exactly what I'm saying. What I, I what I guess what I mean is I feel like both of those things are true about people. That 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 people are not just one thing, really. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like lately, in the last 10 years, really the only thing anyone has to say about John Lennon is that he was a shitty. This is so interesting. We just go to different parties because this is news to me. I hadn't heard this. No one's brought this up. I have been hearing it relentlessly. Yes. Like just over and over and over. To me, it's the like, look, whatever your experience with the Otis is, that is like something between you and your enjoyment of their work. Right. But like if someone is just trying to listen to like the Beatles or somebody's just trying to uh, watch a fucking clip of Kobe Bryant playing, I'm not going to come over and remind you that they did shitty things. Exactly. Because it's not my fucking place, and I don't care. Like, it's it's there's a difference between, like, well, your I, appreciation to it. And that's I never talk to people, so I'm not going up to people yeah. and ruining things okay. for them. Okay. You have to work hard to get me to ruin something for uh, you. I also, yeah. this, this, this whole conversation you, is going off the rails, but I want to say, actually, I did think of, there is a specific here that is that does make John Lennon's situation a little bit different in that John Lennon was murdered for a thing he said. So like yeah. it's almost like like John Lennon made did a lot of like he was kind of a shitty guy. Like now I'm saying it, but like he was literally <laughs> murdered for like and, and, and you are literally you know doing I mean? to me the thing you're upset about because <laughs> no, I didn't know this sucks. and that's what you're telling me. I'm just well, trying to say like he like he he because he said the he said the thing about be- the Beatles being bigger than Jesus. And that was mm. what motivated Mark David Mark Chapman. Chapman. Yeah, I yeah. But yeah. Also, Alex, you know, like you're inserting yourself into this, saying like, "I'm not doing this." No one is saying you're doing this. We're talking about <laughs> other people, right? So, yeah. yeah, I just it's just the like whatever your interaction is when it's like someone brings something up and you just can't wait to rain on somebody else's parade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just like an obnoxious, awful behavior. I right. understand anyway, that, and I have. I the reason I am so. I, the reason I believe you are subtweeting me is because I have been known to do that. Although I never like to, I've never done it about. I don't do it about people like that. But mm-hmm. I do love if I know like a really sad fact. I like to ruin someone's day with it when I can. So like, if somebody's like, 
oh, there was this crazy spider in my shower. And so I put it in a cup and I took it outside. I like to tell them that spider died outside that night um, because that's true of every spider you've ever put in a cup and carried outside. They've died outside that night. That's what happens to spiders. They can't live outside all of a sudden. Um, That was a spider that had gotten used to your indoor place. They can't handle the temperature swing with no food. It's just right. they're not going to find their yeah, yeah, footing yeah, yeah. fast enough. They're going to die outside, um, which is the thing that I've a, always uh, known a, that. I've always known that. Have you really? Oh, oh yeah, man, yeah. that's cool. In my heart, I knew. I didn't know it yeah. in my brain. I just found out in my brain. But my several heart, years ago, I was, I was at a party and I was talking to a spider scientist, an arachnologist, and she told me that. And I was like, so devastated. I was so crushed. And it's like, here's what I think, Anthony, about people like me um, who are like, I don't know, like wet blankets, um, you know, like uh, conversation ruiners. What's ha- it's sort of it's, it's this thing that happens. I think it is very human. If I can excuse my behavior a little bit, it's like when yeah, you yeah. smell something really bad, you're like, this is awful. Hey, smell this. Like you need the validation of other people uh, understanding how you're feeling. So uh, I am lonely in this sad fact, you know, mm-hmm. uh, well, knowing I- that knowing that uh, every animal that I've ever watched in a movie is dead now um is like it's a thing that i have to live with but as soon as i tell you it's like we're in the same bad together and it feels better alex can i just have a counterpoint real fast yeah um this segment is the last thing standing between me and going and making a taco salad in a little bit and i'm getting (laughs) i'm getting very hungry so what two truths do you think is a lie Okay, so I so um, uh, I just want to say so if you're a stand-in on a on a film that generally you're like the same complexion for lighting purposes and a similar height for camera placement, and I just looked it up and John Cusack is six two, and I don't think Ian's that tall. I just don't get a six two vibe from him. Yeah, I think he's six five. You know what I mean? Well, that would also not work. Crazy tall. Yeah, Yeah. seven seven feet probably. Eight feet. He's got a he's got a disorder. He's still growing. Wait, um, I'm gonna yeah. look outside my window real quick. I think I can see him. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna say one is a lie. There's no way he he was the stand for John Cusack. Uh, Anthony, you do not believe the Julian Lennon thing no, because I think it's one, one degree from a famous is, person. Yeah, he's no. I think he's doing the thing when he's born the same day as Sean Lennon, but he decided to switch it around to Julian well, Lennon. To I, throw just, us I will just drill. say like. Being the stand-in for John Cusack is like a cool thing. Having the same birthday as a minor celebrity, every one of us is that to just a different minor celebrity. Like that feels so much more achievable. I have the same birthday as little Kim, you know? See, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And so you would, I feel like you would say that uh, if that came up, if you're trying to do two roots and a lie. So uh, I feel like that's an easy one to -hmm. have been true. You know, I don't don't believe that. Now that we've talked it all out, I bet Ian doesn't write erotic fiction. I bet he, I bet he just you can't. You talked yourself t- out of it. it. I talked myself out of it now because I also just like the idea that we guess. If we each guess one, we're definitely going to nail it. Well, that's it. certainly not. Yeah, we blanket the arena. Um, also, I will say I, I had forgotten. I had, it's been a while since I've looked this up, but Idris Elba. That's mine. Idris Elba. Oh, I thought you were just saying as well. Look this up. Idris Elba. <laughs> Exists. <laughs> just Google this. Idris Elba. I'm anyway, saying. Let's move on. That was the uh, I Google something <laughs> section of the show where no, I just Google a thing. And Idris Elba, Jeff Foxworthy. Those are who I <laughs> okay. share a birthday with. And here's okay. the cool thing about that is that if I ever meet Jeff Foxworthy or Idris Elba, I've got an opener. Neither of you guys do. Oh, I do. I, I of course I do. What's your With opener for Idris Elba? Are you serious? Jeff well, Foxworthy is going to be like, sure. hey, Dad, like it's easy. 
That's true. You do have that. And also, uh, here we go. I, can do you, I, I, I actually have a really good one for Idris Elba. I'll just be like, hey, we have the same birthday. Bam. Um, okay. Guess Check. Guess what? I stole your thing. Guess what? I could use that on whoever I want now forever. Okay. So um, what my final answer was, I said one is not true. He's not uh, standing for junkies like on Midnight in the Garden of Evil. Yeah. And Anthony says he was not born the same day as Julian Lennon. And uh, Hunter, you don't believe he writes erotic fiction under a pseudonym, um, so I'm going to go open the. I think email he writes. From. I think he writes. He, I think he attempts to write erotic fiction, but oh, his, this is a goal. So he's like the secreting this in the two truths and a lie. Exactly. So oh, it, it's a it. slight lie. He write. He attempts to write erotic fiction, but it is yet to kind of erotic anybody, if you know what I mean. But he's working on. All right. It. Here's the official answer from Ian. While Julian Lennon and I do share a birthday, he is two years older than I am, so he was not born on the same day. Oh. So I think we may have we oh. may have misinterpreted the even how he was actually being more specific. I was saying like everyone has a birthday with somebody, but who has the exact day? Not him and Julian Lennon. So Anthony, you were absolutely right. But, but I'm, say, I'm gonna say I was right too because I did kind of nail the logic that he used. I just used it on the wrong one. You know what I'm saying? Does that? Is that enough? Okay, sure. Yeah, you can give yourself that's that. A, that's a total credit one there. Um, um, he also Alex, added, lost. Uh, I was mostly an extra on the set of Midnight during the shoot, but the last week I got to stand in for a few setups and it was a ton of fun. So I'm going to say my logic was sound. He might not actually be 6'2 because he didn't get the full gig. Well, yeah. I mean, he's like 15 feet now. We got to yeah. unplug him. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then last, okay, lastly, one more thing before we go. So that's Ian. Thank you so much, Ian. Uh, thanks for playing Teachers and a Lie. And uh, uh, thanks for becoming a Meat Buddy. Everybody else, you can go to Metreon.com to join Ian and get a terrible segment like this where we talk mostly about John Lennon. Lastly, before we go, a really quick dip into the mailbag. Hannah sent this email a couple weeks ago, and I don't always read compliments, but this one really got to me. So I just want to share this with you guys um, and everybody else just because like it made me feel things. So uh Hey, Alex, I'm a, I'm a meat buddy and a big fan of both of your podcasts. I started listening a couple years ago, and I've been listening to I've listened to every Read It and Weep and Pack Your Mics episode at least twice. Whoa. Ooh, <laughs> wow. My job allows me to listen to a lot of audio content. Yeah, no shit, Hannah. That is a lot. I haven't listened to them twice, if that helps. Uh, I've experienced them and then done some spot checks on the audio quality. Um, anyway, I've, she's listened to a lot of uh, audiobooks and podcasts at work. Anyway, I'm writing because I had just a real crap day the other day. Like, I live alone and I haven't been within six feet of another human being in the last three months. And I was really feeling it that day. And the only part of my day that made me smile was listening to an old Read and Weep episode on my bike ride. So I just wanted to say thanks because you, Ezra, Chris, Tanya, Sarah, Sarah, Kyle, Anthony, Hunter, and of course, Megan, have been in my ears for most of quarantine. And I really needed the laughs. I know you always say that you don't do comedy to help people and that you would still do that if you hurt them. Yes, that is a thing I say. Um, but if it help, but it helps me. So I do appreciate it. Um, it's I actually like that's the thing that I said on the show when somebody said that it helped them. And I first like realized I don't do it to help people. I, I would still do it if it hurt them. Um, yeah. And I have since I like that so much uh, that joke that I, may, I actually close with that at comedy shows a lot. Um <laughs> I just love telling people that I would have still like if it helped them today, I'm happy, but I would have still done it if it hurt them. Right. Right. It's just a really fun, odd vibe to leave on. We're like, people are like clapping, but they're like, huh. (laughs) They're like, go home and they're like, that was fucked up. <laughs> like, it's kind of a fucked up thing to say <laughs> at the just end. Like, looking in the mirror and they're like, I think that guy's fucked up. Yeah, I think that guy <laughs> is like, 
I think that guy. I mean, it was sick. funny, but that was kind of sick. Yeah, what's wrong yeah, that with that guy? guy? Kind of let us know at the end there that he was sick. He did it at the end too. Yeah, he's sick. I have I have never met anyone who got into comedy to help people. Like that's just not how comics think. It's sure. uh, we're all in it because we like it. And then if and then some people like the fact that people it helps people keeps them going. But like legitimately i think most of us would still do this if it hurt people i'm just the only one brave enough to say it um yeah and then well lastly- I mean, i've been meaning to bring up like i actually have to do the. this is actually community service i it's did court ordered pretty, pretty <laughs> fucked up stuff in, in the past so you know yeah. i try to enjoy it but terrible. yeah i do have to be here anytime someone tells me they like all three of us i'm like you don't know what hunter's done though yeah there you go he's yeah. like the john lennon of our podcast <laughs> oh god how dare you um, and then Hannah finishes a couple months ago, maybe years. I don't know. Time isn't real. Um, you talked about how someone on Twitter had said that you looked like a cobbler and you didn't know if they meant a pie or a shoemaker. And I legitimately don't think I've ever laughed harder at anything. And I still laugh until I cry whenever I think about it, Hannah. So um, I uh, do not remember saying that. It's a legitimate concern. Like in hindsight, I don't remember if we ever solved that mystery. I don't know what. Well, you clearly look like. I mean, you've got a round face. It's kind of pie. Yeah. It looks pie like. I think that's you, true. You, I have these these weird crisscross lines across my face um, yeah. from sleeping yeah. face down on lawn you furniture. Have a triangle you, mouth, if you know what I mean. Like you, I do uh, get that. Uh, you're so so much into actual nice shoes that there's no way you know how to make them. Yeah. So it's definitely the pie. Yeah, yeah, children make them. I don't make them. Um, right. But uh, I, I'm glad that makes you... Like, I laughed. I don't remember saying that at all, and I laughed thinking about it as well. So anyway, Hannah, I really... Like, I, I said this back to Hannah by email, but like, man, uh, it's also been a weird time for me. And so having somebody... And like, you know, the podcast is mostly a thing that I do to hang out with my friends, and I don't... You know, I, don't, I get so much email, and it helps, but I don't get it. Like, I don't know. However, I don't know what you're up to. Like the fact that you're bike riding, I don't know that, right? Um. Anyway, it's just such a weird like medium this way, and so hearing that it like really helped somebody right now is really is just amazing. And so that like I le- legitimately teared up reading that email, and so I thought I would share it with everybody. Um, I don't know what my point is. Not it's not like hey, look, I'm great. You mm-hmm. know, we did good. Uh, or like if you're having a tough time. Maybe listen to more of our podcast. That's not, I don't know. That's why I don't like to read compliments. It feels like a very weird tone, but I mostly wanted to share with you guys. Well, um, if, yeah, yeah, I mean, and talk about the cobbler thing. I'm pretty sure if you listen to our podcast while you are asleep, it will program you somehow in a way that is, that is good, I think. Yep. At some point, we will say a trigger word, and then you will kill the president. And then you will be activated. Yes, yes. That's what happens. That is the go- and we don't even know who it is. We're trying. To, it's like we don't a, know who it is. We don't know what the trigger word is. So it's right. going to be random, kind it's of. It's perfect. Uh, it's a perfect yeah. experiment. But yeah, we're yeah. trying. It's we're a trying perfect to get double blind experiment. We've <laughs> created blind, where we activate. That's how they do science. You, yeah, you get it. You get it. It's really funny. We had a talk. We had a conversation off the air before this started, where Anthony and Hunter assured me that I don't have to stress about how long our podcasts go, and it worked. I was persuaded because we are fuck. This is the longest show we've ever done. Um, let's stop. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's it for our show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week. Next week, we're talking about Repo Man, the 1984 film. This is Anthony's pick. We're going to go back and watch some punk rock filmmaking from the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I have never heard of it, and I feel bad for the people who lost their cars. So I'm looking forward to watching that movie. Um, you can email us if you have suggestions for what we could watch. You can go to podcast. You can send us an email podcast at readdistrict.com and we can also misread your email on the air. You can also become meat buddy, meatreon.com. And thank you so much for being here, Anthony Lopez. 
Bet this is a lot of fun. Very excited to go make taco salad here. In a I minute. can't wait for you. I'm so excited for you. Thanks for talking to me, Hunter. Good luck yeah. on your Popeyes later. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay, I'm I'll talk to everybody next week. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.